Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Yo, yo, what's going on, everybody? Hope you're doing good and hope the week is good for you so far. Before we get into the podcast, uh, I have a new single out called My Church with my homie MK. It's out now. If you haven't checked it out, go check it out on all your local download spots and uh, Beatport as well if you want to buy it. So moving on to the podcast, this week is Leighton Giordani, uh, Drum code ban. Uh, love this guy's music. He's just released a new album called New Generation. It's out now. And yeah, it was really good to catch up with him. Hope you enjoy it. Without further ado, Leighton Giordani. And we're live. How's it going, mate? You good? Very good. How are you? Yeah, good, man. Whereabouts are you in the world? I'm in New York. You moved back? Chilling in New York. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a temporary thing because, you know, because of COVID and everything, you know, we were all like pretty much demanded to go back to our cities. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my working visa was running out and I had to give up my place in Amsterdam. And now I'm just here waiting for everything to, you know, be done with and then move back to Holland. Yeah. How does it work with visas for you in Holland? Is it easy? Yeah, it's super easy. It's, you know, it was actually because I was considering moving to the UK yeah. and then I was also looking like Berlin and making all the choices. Obviously I love uh, Amsterdam for like, you know, the city itself. But then once I also looked at the, uh, the procedure of how to get it, like a visa, it's super easy. It's like um, all you need is like a bank account with a couple thousand euros and just say what you do. And then they, they pretty much just let you be. Really? That's amazing. Cause yeah, I, I know it's I not know. that easy if you want to, go to the uk or if you want to live in the uk or if you want to live in in america especially it takes ages to, to do that yeah i mean it's um uk is not so bad for americans yeah and you know thank thankfully uh i was able to get my you know uk working permits and stuff very easily but yeah. um it was pretty simple for me but i was shocked actually that holland was way easier yeah that's mad well it's just a just a more chilled place, isn't it, compared to the UK? Let's be honest. <laughs> Seems yeah, to have their shit I mean, together. Can beat it. Yeah, definitely. How's uh, how's being back in New York? Refreshing. Yeah, it's like uh, give. It's giving me like a whole new outlook on like life at the moment. You know, yeah. being around family and friends and kind of inspiring. You know, different. Yeah, man, I can relate to that. Like, I've been back in the UK for well since the beginning of lockdown, and I never really get to spend this time 
this this length of time back home just kind of seeing family is so much nicer just to be able to like kind of relax and not know that you have to get everything done within like two weeks because you go back on the road again and kind of tour and if you like if you manage to write more because of that or like are you like one of the types of people that have like stopped writing or like what what kind of situation you've been in I'm always writing. I yeah. can't help it. I mean, ever since I was 15 and I learned producing, I mean, I've always produced on my laptop. So yeah. for the most part, I've just, no matter what I'm doing or what position I'm in, I usually am just always time to time. I open up my MacBook and I'm just writing something. Yeah. That's cool. You know? That's cool. How's, uh, you were in Detroit, right? Yeah, I was in Detroit. Um, I still have my place out there. Uh, I'm probably going to go back before Christmas for like a couple of weeks just chill out for a little bit um nice but well just sort because i kind of like escaped kind of was like a refugee as like everyone was it's just that like being told that you either leave now or you're going to be stuck in stuck in detroit and i didn't really want to be stuck in detroit during the whole of lockdown so yeah yeah i just kind of got the hell out straight from a show left my car at the airport and got going um so yeah, it was interesting. It was interesting, man. But you've released an album, New Generation. Congrats. Yes. Yes. It's great. Thanks, bro. It's great, man. Long time coming. This is your second one on drum code, right? Yeah, second one. How's it going? Really good. Um, you know, the first album I did, I was like first getting signed to drum code. And to be honest, it was it was more of Adam's idea because I had so many demos and Adam wanted everything. He's like, what do you think about doing an album? And I was like, I was like, okay, this is not real. This is, I don't believe this, but I was, obviously I jumped on it. And then, uh, cause I was making everything. I was making tech house techno, like true soul kind of stuff. Yeah. And then I was making, you know, techno records. And then he's like, what do you think about making like maybe, uh, you know, some other album stuff. And I was like, yeah. So I tried that. And then I was, I was young. I was like 22 and, you know, it was great to do an album like that, but now I've really grown as an artist. You know, I listen to electronic albums a lot more now and through the past years as I did back then. So I've kind of learned more about music and and writing and composure and building journeys. So I think it was super important to do a follow-up. So with new generation, it's kind of a whole new thing. And I was real to do this album this time. It was more my idea, and yeah. I really just wanted to follow up and and do something that has a piece of me that's in every aspect, and try to be really diverse and take people on a a new journey with my music. Yeah, totally, man. It's a great album, and and I've listened to it a few times. It's really good, and I like how you kind of not it's not just been like a techno album. It's kind of lots of kind of downbeat breakbeat vibes as well which is really nice um how how did you approach the album were you like had a load of tracks and were like let's create an album out of this or were you like okay so i'm i have a released out release date for an album now for, for like a year's time this is when it's got to be out let's now write the project or like because every artist does it differently it's like how do yeah. you kind of approach yeah. it for me, it was pretty, it was pretty natural. I just, um, basically I just, I, you know, I talked to Adam a lot. So I was like, what do you think about doing another album? He's like, yeah, let's, he's like, of course, let's do it. He's like, if you want to do it, let's do it. So I just kind of just wrote a bunch of stuff and, you know, 
like I said, I write a lot of music. So I just kind of wrote whatever moment I was in, wherever I was, I just wrote stuff and then I stored it. And then every like two, three months, we would kind of go through the tracks together and say, okay, we really like this one. Yeah. And we just did process of elimination. We didn't really do uh, a countdown or anything like that. We just said, let's do this. And then we we had this the lead single, New Generation, was actually the first track made for the album. And uh, yeah, so Adam was playing that for like a year. We were, we were Everyone on the Drum Code squad was kind of playing it for like a year. And I was like, what do I call the album? What do I want? So I had a few names. And um, for some reason, New Generation, I was thinking about calling it like Contrast and all these other ideas. But then I looked back at this record. And I was like, this is definitely going to be on the album. And it's like kind of the lead track of the album. But I thought New Generation was so fitting. Yeah. You know, it just you know when you like hear a word or something and it yeah. clicks and you're just like, this is this is what I feel. This is what I want to do. And the whole concept and everything just fell into place yeah. like so naturally. It was like we didn't have to do any work really. It just came together easy, you know? I think that's kind of the most perfect situation, right? Because there's no pressure. You can just do what you want. It doesn't really fucking matter what, what you do as long as you absolutely love the music. And I think albums, especially nowadays, it's, it's, it's a strange situation with albums with kind of the streaming platforms because they don't really lend themselves to an album as such. Just, And I think that's not necessarily the platforms. I think it's more so the people where we live in this like society where people have terrible attention spans and kind of want to move on to the next record and don't want to sit down. Like It's not like back in the day when you get in your car and you buy a CD and you listen to that CD for like two months until you go and buy another CD. And you like know the album yeah. by heart, but how do you find like the the streaming platform kind of way for the album? Like, um, I think uh, what you're saying is totally true. It's not like you're um, it's not like you, it's not like the Beatles. You yeah. have a Beatles album, and it's like still to this day yeah. gold, you know. But um, I think the key with the album for me was like we said, there's a lot of break beats, uh, down tempo stuff. I think uh, when you include material like that, like to me, that's what an album should have is, is yeah. a further explanation rather than just 10 banging techno records. Yeah. I think when you do something like that, um, streaming is going to be a lot better. A lot, a lot more people are going to connect to it and it could be a bit more timeless, you know? Because yeah, listen, nowadays techno tracks are so recyclable one one week this tracks out the next week people have already forgotten about it yeah unless it's very special but it's pretty rare for that to happen so i mean techno has become very recyclable unfortunately so i think when you kind of work in these other uh ranges of music it's it becomes more timeless i think why do you th- why do you think it's become like that um i don't know man i mean maybe just because so many people are making it now that not too much stuff is so so original anymore yeah. it's become more of like a a formula yeah yeah and when you have a formula and people follow the formula it's just like okay one minute in now hi-hats another minute okay yeah. then the beat drops to the kick and bass another minute breakdown yeah. four minutes drop okay we get it that's the track you know yeah, yeah. so um i think it's just it's a stigmatism of of a recycled formula 
And I think the people who break the formula and go a bit to the left field, right field, whatever, will yeah. go further with it, you know? Who do you think are the people at this moment in time that are kind of doing that, apart from yourself? Like, like who's, who's like, that you're like, wow, they're always doing something special? Um, who do I think someone's always doing special? Um... You mean like in techno or yeah. just like in electronic music? It, just in, in, techno? in techno because like I th- I, I've i seen it, it maybe in the last four or five years, like Tech House had it massively and tech, mm-hmm. techno is just becoming more and more like that, if you know what I mean. Everyone's the next techno producer. Um, it's fashionable, if you know what I mean. And when things become fashionable, it becomes formulaic. But I think there's always... It's like fashion. There's always people at the top of fashion or on the side of fashion that are kind of doing different things. And there's, for me, that like Maceo is like one that kind of always stands out where he just kind of does his own thing that's just wild. He's, 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 to me, he's uh, my favorite all time producer. So it's funny that you mentioned because he's, he's like my, if I could try to be, be like someone, but in my own form, it would be like him because. And I've I've started to grow like that because he can write a techno record, mm. right? He can write a house record. Yeah. He can write disco. He can write downbeat. He can he can do anything, and he doesn't give a shit. And he just puts out music, and I think that's what you know is really inspiring. And it kind of because I, I used to think, oh, I can't put out this type of record because people will shame me for it. Yeah. But you know what? I just stopped caring, and I I think it's starting to come through a bit, and. Someone like that is a great point. And uh, you know who I'm thinking of off the top of my head is Rebuke. Yeah, you know? yeah. He he is very much so in techno realm. He's in the tech house realm. You know, he, he's working with anyone pretty much he wants to, I think. He, he could work with, say, he wants to work with Green Velvet. He wants to work with Camel Fat. He wants yeah. to work with any of these guys. He's helped uh, break the stigmatism of the formula you know yeah yeah also also you you yeah. swing you swing both ways as well like you you can make that banging techno but then you can also make groovier or yeah. you know i know you, you do releases everywhere so yeah, i mean yeah. yeah i think that's the thing for it's important man yeah and i, I think it's really it's really <coughs> interesting that we're having because we haven't we've we've spoke a couple of times like through text and in person like a couple of times we've never really like sat down and had that conversation and i think there's like a few people in the, that realm that are actually trying to push forward that p- potentially are probably going to be the next big guys at the top, if you know what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, what's it like? It, because let's say, for instance, like Drum Code. Drum Code is the biggest techno label at this moment in time and has been kind of at the top of the game for for a while. And obviously if people didn't know, but they've been around how, how many years, like 20 years. Yeah. Like Adam's been doing yeah. it a long time. Um, what's it like being part of a crew like that as well? Do, do you think it like, obviously there's massive pros to it, like huge pros, but do you think it, it kind of, ha- you have to keep to what you want to release or keep to like that sound or do you feel like you, you have, you've got to the point now where you have that opportunity to release things that you don't, that aren't necessarily a drum code record. Cause every, every record label in the world has their own sound. There's unless it's like a major right. or like Ninja tune or something like that. Every label has a sound and Adam chooses that sound. Um, or the, 
all the A and R, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Et how do you find like you're kind of one of the big guys in in drum code? How has that kind of helped you? How has that hindered you, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? There's got to be pros and cons in a positive way. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm I, not asking you to shit on drum yeah, code because yeah, I love yeah. the label and I, I respect Adam <laughs> and all the guys there. But do you still like for me? Yeah. Like I had my for me like if I if I could use for an example like I had it with Dirty Bird where I Dirty Bird get you like, had the affiliation. Yeah, I had the affiliation and they gave like I wouldn't be talking to you if probably it wasn't for Dirty Bird just purely because it put me into a position in the industry. The reason why I stopped releasing on Dirty Bird was because I wasn't playing the music anymore and I just wasn't making that mm. music and I kind of wanted to evolve myself as an artist. I absolutely love all the Dirty Bird guys. They're still my homies, but right. it, it's that kind of evolution of being somebody that writes music. Like, where do you where where do you sit in that with, with drum code and kind of with, with that crew? So I think... Um... For sure, drum code has its own sound. Yeah, um, you know it's it's a, it's a build it's a built brand. You yeah. know it it has that 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 branding where this is what drum code is, and it constantly starts to evolve and evolve and evolve. Totally. And, you know it's the leading techno brand. So where wherever drum code goes, normally I feel like a lot of people will try to recreate that sound, and then it starts becoming the, the formula that totally. we're talking yeah, yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. So I think um, I think the key is for people to like so for someone like me on drum coder, right? They expect a certain sound out of me. Yeah, I don't think it's put me in a bad place only because I, like I, I we try to be strategical with like my management and everything, where it's yeah. like we don't want to just be branded as just a drum code artist, you know? Like because because that's not what it's all about. Drum code is my I'm a part of drum code hundred yeah. percent. for me, it's giving me you know, life totally. to, to yeah, being yeah, an yeah. artist. Yeah. And um, I, I think that if you create one sound and constantly just go to that sound, then yeah, you're going to pigeonhole yourself. But the cool thing with Adam is he, he loves, you know, the music. We have a very similar taste in music and he loves, you know, he's a diehard fan for bicep. We can't yeah. stop talking about the bicep album. I mean, who isn't, but yeah, yeah. You can't stop <laughs> talking about bicep and, and, you know, there's there's other people that we talk about or constantly talking about Kevin Saunderson or constantly talking about. So we, we try to think of what can we bring to drum code that hasn't been done before. For example, yeah. when we did Space State, yeah, the original yeah. track to Space State, in my opinion, it was a bit slower. It wasn't the typical drum code sound. Yeah. And it was more of a spacey, groovy, almost like a, not minimal, but it had a minimalesque vibe to it. Yeah where um, we decided to bring Green Velvet and, and have him collab on it. And to me, that's like, so what we were saying is like, when you break out of what people think something is and you offer them something new, yeah, it, it turns something into a possible timeless record where we're not going to call it recyclable, you know? So it's like um, making records like that. When I got to make a record like that, it really made all the difference for me because you know if i was just some techno straight up techno dj and and that's what i cared about i don't think i would be touring too much in outside of uh you know like amsterdam and then everywhere else that's like that like i play a lot in the uk and it's to me it's one of my favorite markets to play and and 
I don't mind playing like a, a groovier track. I, I love playing groovy stuff. I love yeah. playing techno. So the longer I can play DJ set, the longer I will try to show that side of me. But I think it's because I've made records like Space Day and this and that, that will help not pigeonhole myself. Totally. You know, yeah, yeah. also like do, doing remixes for like Camel Fat. Yeah. You know, and, and I got some collabs that I'm working on that with people you wouldn't expect that kind of help say, okay, listen, this is not who he is. Who he is is the music he makes and he has a broad diversity in music. So you just have to be lucky enough to make those records and find homes for them. I'm, I'm, I'm lucky because I'm able to do like, for example, a drum code album. So I can show, you know, I can show I can make a record like bicep in my own form. Yeah. I can I can go deeper. I can go harder. I, I can make I can make, you know, tech out stuff like that. So I think you just need to show that. And, and I think a lot of producers have that side to them, but maybe they just don't release that music because yeah. they become afraid and scared. So I think with someone like working with someone like drum code, I don't have that issue because I'm able to, you know, work with Green Velvet and, and do a tech house track and people won't shame me completely, you know, because yeah, they know yeah. uh, that's the good, you know, I, now that I'm thinking about it, it's really nice to see, see that I'm able to do this now because when I look at like 10 years ago, everyone was such a techno purist where it's yeah. like techno, 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 but now all the genres are starting to mix and match together where it's like people are just uh, appreciating the artistic form yeah. and not judging you for just the genre and expecting you just for this genre. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Well, I think at the end of the day, back, so, I mean, back like 10, 15, well, 15 years ago, if you were in techno, you wouldn't be playing in front of tens of thousands of people. It would be, it wasn't, a, right. it wasn't a, it wasn't a, I guess I say this in the lightest form of, of way, but it wasn't a commercial genre. It wasn't, it wouldn't mm -hmm. sell that amount of tickets. Um, and I think right. nowadays with the likes of Camel Fat, um, Maceo, Adam, Carl Cox, all these kind of people that go in between all the different genres, Green Velvet, if you know what I mean. Like, look what, look what Curtis put out, like, in the 90s. And now look what he's putting out now and kind of the heritage of what he's, what he's put out. Kevin Saunderson, Richie Horton, like, all of these people have kind of built brands around themselves that have allowed people like you and I to kind of be a bit more creative <laughs> in a way. It's true. And, and I think it, we're really lucky to be in that situation. Um, yeah, man, it's a good time to be alive apart from COVID. It's a good time to be alive in music because I, I totally agree. Like let's, let's use for instance, like Camel Fat. I know you guys just, you just did a, what record did you remix? uh it was with camel fat and art bat it was uh four feeling it was called yeah because like if you think about it camel fat make radio records like Definitely. 10 years ago you wouldn't get have got a radio record that's a that's a techno record i guess the closest thing you would get is chemical brothers um on on radio and now there's lots of artists that kind of are writing radio records that are having big commercial success and also still dipping their toe in the kind of the techno world and things like that. That I just don't yeah, think you, you would have had. Like what used to happen is you'd have pop acts get a techno artist to remix and that was it. And that was just kind of how techno artists mm -hmm. made money um, back in the day. But 
Mm-hmm. Now it's now it's a bit different. So the new generation's out. Go check that out on Spotify. Um, obviously, COVID's kind of fucked everything. But what what's the plans for the rest of the year? Anything fun? Or are you literally just holding tight? Um, <clears throat> yeah, man, I'm just, I'm cruising right now. I'm yeah. just chilling. I mean, like, listen, we could have put out new generation. We, we were discussing release dates and we're like, do we want to put it out during COVID? Management was like, no, don't do it. Wait till it blows over. And me and Adam were just, we're all in a Zoom. And me and Adam were like, the music's ready. Yeah. We're like, you know, we weren't thinking like the, the crazy businessman, like how many sales is it going to do? How much of this? How much of that? We're just like, the music is ready. People want music. Yeah. We've had the tracks for quite some time. Let's just put it out. You know, people will appreciate it. People will enjoy it. Especially during times like this, I think it's it's pretty nice to see. You know, Joseph Capriati just did an album. Pleasurecraft just did an album. Yeah. I'm like, wow, we just did three albums. So me, Pleasurecraft, Joseph Capriati all put out albums this month or yeah, in mad. September. And I'm like, that's really cool, you know. And Camel Fat, they have, they have their Next album week. coming out. Uh, I think this, yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know what? Yeah. I think it's just roll, roll with the times. Put out music, you know. Now is not the time to be thinking. You can't plan when COVID's gonna end. You can't right. plan when we're all gonna resume. So right now, I'm just gonna write records, and when I feel like we got something nice, we try to put it out and promote it a little bit, and, and you know, just business as regular, man. I mean, cruising, you know, like just keep making music and waiting to tour and, and stuff like that. What yeah. about you? Are you making anything? Yeah, man. I've got a release out tomorrow, actually. Um, well, tomorrow it's going to be, when this podcast comes out, it's going to be out, but it's out Friday, um, which I'm looking forward to. We, we, that was supposed to be coming out in July and we kind of pushed it forward, push it back till October because of COVID. And then we're like, let's just put it right. out. But we, I had a meeting last week with my with my team, and we've pretty much planned all of my records for next year. Have all the releases kind of planned and ready to go. So we're just kind of doing business as usual now with music and just doing what we can do. Really, I think I think people still want to hear music. Um, it's just kind of going with the times, and I think it's a really interesting time now because. I think a lot of artists are going to be writing music, writing different music that actually might stream a little bit better and not necessarily. Yeah. Not club music. Yeah. Not focus on, on club music, which as much as I absolutely love writing club music and I write like love writing different types of music. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what music actually comes out because let's be honest, we write club music to play in the, in the clubs right but exactly because we're not playing in the clubs we get we get the opportunity to write loads of music um definitely so it's going to be it's going to be really interesting how to see like especially how next year because clubs aren't really going to be open next year and even if they do it's going to be very few and far between so we should uh we should probably talk about your manager do you you know how we do you know how we know each other yeah he uh here told me that you um (laughs) You guys live together or something, yeah. right? We, so I didn't know he was managing. I didn't know he was in management. And then yeah. I think we started talking. And then you're like, yeah, I'm managed by Keir, Keir Ferguson. And I was like, wait, Keir Ferguson used to live on my sofa in Ibiza. 
I was like, is that the Keir, Keir Ferguson? <laughs> how, so how did, how did you guys get kind of working together? <clears throat> well, I mean, uh, so Keir was like, he was working for drum code, you know, um, he was doing like the label day-to-day stuff. He worked with drum code for quite some time. And then, um, yeah, I was coming up with drum code and Rico was coming up with drum code and, uh, you know, drum code, um, there's a guy who uh, owns a management and, and he also helps run drum code. His name is Jeremy. He's Adam's manager. So he has a, uh, I don't know what you call it. I guess a, a management team or something like that. Bigfoot. And uh, he added Keir. Yeah, Bigfoot. Exactly, yeah. Bigfoot. He added uh, Bigfoot or added Keir to Bigfoot, right? And um, so his first two clients that he was going to take on was uh, me and Enrico. So for me, I never, I had management in New York, but he was like some dodgy guy. It wasn't too, you know, there was a lot of problems. I mean, I wish the best for him, but uh, yeah. yeah, so I did the album. <laughs> We've all had one of those, and, haven't we? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm just like scratching my neck, like trying to be <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, so basically uh, I had the album coming out and um Adam said, he's like, you don't have a management. He's like, let's, let's get you sorted. And, um, you know, at the time Adam was really just taking care of me, you yeah. know, like, uh, he wanted to invest in me and all, a lot. So he made sure I had the right people and, and everything else. Yeah. Oh, I lost you. Hello. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Got you, got you back. Yeah. My phone's at 20%. Oh, sorry right. about that. <laughs> fine um yeah so and then and then i guess Keir took you on from there yeah Keir took me on and um so yeah now i'm managed by bigfoot so jeremy who also manages adam and, and Keir are kind of a team and they'll just yeah they'll represent us but yeah it was super funny i was like oh do you know uh you know you know will clark and he's like he's like yeah i've i've, I've lived with him he was one of my he was my flatmate he was saying or something like that. Yeah. And now you're saying, oh, he was living on your couch. I was like, oh, <laughs> no, we all, the thing is Ibiza is like, Ibiza, I don't, obviously, you know, Ibiza, but I don't know if you've like dealt with any of the workers in Ibiza. We were like proper workers. So we had an apartment and in the lounge, there was like a sofa bed, a bed. And like uh-huh. two people were living in the lounge and one of them was Keir. And then do you know Dutton, James Dutton? It's one of I heard the name, but I don't know who it is. So he lived in one of the other bedrooms and I lived in one of the other bedrooms as well. So there was like four of us in one, in a two bedroom apartment, <laughs> just four, four guys. It was, it was good times though. Good times. Yeah. I was going to say you guys must've had a blast. Yeah, it was, it was good fun. There's, uh, there's some photos floating around actually. I'll send them to you when I, when I get off the phone uh, to you, but Dutton sent me a classic of me, Kieran and, and Dutton the other day. I was like, wow, I was so fat then as well. I didn't realize I had a belly. Good times. <laughs> um, I gotta see. So how how did how did the whole drum code thing start for you? Like, ha, like where did it start? Because I didn't know you before then. I hadn't heard of you before before then. What were you doing before? What was the kind of how old were you? What was like? What happened? Um. Well, I started writing music at like fifteen, and um, I was just kind of you know, in the New York City scene, you know, doing edits and stuff like that. I wasn't really releasing too much material. Yeah. Uh, actually, there was this producer from uh, 
from here as well. His name's Tony Roar. Okay. He was on drum code in the early days. So yeah. he knows Adam, you know, before drum code blew up, he, he knew Adam and uh, we had a mutual friend. So uh, yeah. So I met this guy named Tony Roar and I sent him my tracks and he's like, well, you're, he's like, I wasn't expecting you to have a mature sound like this. He's like, you sound really, you know, it's good. The music is good. It's good yeah. techno. So he's like, uh, let's try and schedule a release, you know, and we did some collabs together and I got to do some like releases on like a, a Swedish label, uh, a really like harder techno uh, German label, stuff like that. And then uh, I had some like more commercially drum code soundtracks, you know, with hooks and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, I showed him to my friend. He's like, oh, this would be good for drum code. I was like, I was like, yeah, I would love to be on drum code. That's like my dream come true you know and he's like oh he's like he's like yeah i know adam he's like adam's playing in uh potch in new york city he's like do you want to do you want to come with me he's like i'll introduce you and i was like okay so i was so stoked i put all my music on a usb i made like two usbs i was like so hyped for the whole week to go to this party and uh he was doing an extended set too like a 12 hour set something crazy yeah and um so yeah i went to potch new york city and i was like 20 or something like that 21 20 and something like that and uh i got to go into the dj booth and just watch adam spin from like open to close which was crazy yeah and pacha was like this place was like legendary and that, to be able to just see this passion new york you say? passion new york back in the day was like the one it was amazing yeah bro it was it was, it was something special i mean i played there when I was younger, they had like a basement. Uh, you know, I got to play in Pacha a few times, luckily, before it was way before I got big. So I was doing like opening sets, basically yeah. playing when the room is empty. But still to say that I've been in that room and got to play yeah. was like, you know, a dream come true. But uh, back back to the story. So I met um, I met Adam and I was just like, hey, man, I'm a big fan. And he was super cool. He's like, like, hey, man. He's like, Tony introduced right then and there. So he was kind of very nice with me. And uh, I gave Adam the music. I was like, hey, man, this is my music. I was like, you know, I, I really hope you like it. And, you know, I think I, I was thinking, oh, I'm going to give him this USB. Maybe he won't listen. Maybe he will. He like, he he listened to it like really soon because a few weeks later he was playing uh, Awakenings Festival. Yeah. And he played two. He played. He played one of the tracks at Awakenings Festival. I'm like, holy Damn. shit! This yeah. is this is my record. I'm like, wow. <laughs> so of course, like any other kid, I start blowing up his email. I was like, hey, so does this mean you want this for Jump Code? Can you sign this? <laughs> Do you want to sign us? Do you want to sign us? Like, like just typical, typical kid yeah. trying to get signed to Jump Code. Yeah. I bet. And um, he goes, he goes, hey man. He's like, I really like the track. He's like. He's like, I got my eye on you. He's like, just, you know, keep sending music. Keep sending me music. And I was like, okay. So I figured now I need to take shit really seriously. Yeah. I need to make music and not try to release it on every single record label. Yeah. I have his ear. I can't lose it. So I just made a lot of music and I would just blow up his email with <laughs> new music all the time. Yeah. And then uh, he started playing everything and... Then the, the the album formed. Oh well, no, I did a True Soul EP. It did pretty well on Beatport. You know, I was like an unknown artist, and we still hit the top ten. So I was yeah. really lucky. Then he was like, "Okay, uh, let's let's do a release." And um, 
yeah, it ended, we had so many tracks that ended up turning into an album. So, oh, so your first release know, on I, Drum Code was an album. Actually, actually, let me take that back. I did. I had one track, and he put it on the uh, compilation. Put it on yeah, the compilation. Yeah. yeah. But even during that release, we were planning the the album. album. No so way. it was. Yeah, I know, man. I got like when I tell people this story, they're like, "Are they're like?" So is Adam your father? Is he, is he this? <laughs> is he your cousin? Is he this? I'm like, I don't know what I did. I just got so lucky. I mean, listen. I guess music speaks for itself. You know, that's what people say to me. But still, I have so many friends that I think make better music than me, you know? Yeah. And, and, and should have got signed to a record label like Drum Code. So I, I don't know. I guess I was just in the right place at the right time. And, you know, if you work hard enough and, and you push hard, even when no one's responding, you push, you push, you push, you'll, you'll crack through eventually. Dude, I 100% agree. I'm, like, I'm in the same situation with me. Like, I know so many people that write better music than me. And at the end of the day, you're, you hit the nail on the head where you, you're like, you just got to work hard. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the difference in this is like when, when Adam said he's got an eye on you, like you worked hard. It's not luck really. There is part of it. It's luck, but you could have just not done anything and not upped your game and you wouldn't be in the situation that you're in now. Um Yeah. Well, there were some small things, you know, that I'm, I'm leaving out. One thing that I think is really important to getting signed to drum code in general is it's not just about the music. It's also the relationship. Yeah. Adam's a relationship guy. So you need to build some sort of relationship. It needs to be an organic relationship. And uh, I was lucky. <laughs> I got to play in um, Output Brooklyn. I got a residency. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, I was really lucky. They put me on like two shows with him, I think. And uh, also I got booked in like, I think it was like Georgia or something when Adam was on tour Yeah, and they put me as an opener. So I, I kept showing my face and I kept showing the music and we got to bond a little bit. Yeah. And um, yeah, we, we were also, you know, we're, we, we liked the same music and we, we just hit it off pretty well. And uh Growing up, we have the same, we had kind of the same story, background with family and stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah. there was there was a, quite a few connections that I think led up to the album and why he invested in me so much. So it's, uh, that's why I say like right time, right place. But uh, among that, if you have the right music and you push hard, you'll make things happen for sure. Yeah, totally. I, but I think the relationship is the key thing in this industry. Um, that I think people forget. Um, it's not like mm-hmm. you sent him a DM and were like, sign my music. Like, yeah. And I think that's what people forget is like, you actually have to build relationships with people. And, and it's the only, it's the, really the only way this industry works um, until there comes a point when you're so good that you cu- people can't ignore you. Um, mm-hmm. But still, there's still a lot of, relationship building even if you're that good um and i think you're right it's like you just i think it's just there's just different people in this in the industry and some people you're going to click with and some people you're not um and you're just in a good situation that you clicked with adam if you know what i mean and he clicked with you if you know what i mean i'm sure you bring more just as much to the party as as he does 
Um, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not, a, it's not a one way thing. And I think that's what people forget is that a lot of people can see, yes, Adam releases your music, but that's the whole thing about a relationship is that it's a two way thing. And it's not all just take, take, take It's give and take. And, and if you have that relationship, that's, it's beneficial for him as much as it is for you at the end of the day. Yeah. It's, it's all about building with the label. That's, that's one of the key things. A lot of record labels, well, not a lot, but a good amount of them will just sign good music. And then it's like a wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Thank no, you for the release. See nine, you later. I, 95, Adam, it's nine, sorry to button. 95% of labels are like that. They, they don't give a fuck about, yeah. Building I, I try to be nice don't but, be nice man yeah. be real like that's sure. the case like the reason why yeah. drum code is drum code the reason why dirty bird is dirty bird the reason why there's not many more out there hot creations is hot creations is because they invest in the artist mm-hmm. as well and they invest in in building relationships in artists which yes, it benefits mm, the creating it, something. Yeah, it benefits the out. It benefits the label and the head honcho of the label financially more than anyone else. But not everyone can be the the head guy, and not everyone wants to be the head guy. Not everyone wants to put the work in mm. that the head guy can put in. Um, so it's like that. It, it is that thing. Is people that build good brands through labels they generally have the best music because they have the best relationships with their artists and and mm-hmm. by having good relationships with artists or with the artists that you sign is literally the one thing that allows the artist to be an artist and kind of produce the best possible music because then you're not getting artists right. that jump around labels trying to fit in with everyone because that's all what happens really mm-hmm. Is, yeah, you have to have a concept like that, and it, you know, like Tale of Us too. They yeah. have such a great, a great crew, and they really—that's that's that's the key to totally. a really successful label, I think. Totally. That, like, don't get me wrong. There, there is a lot more. Like Damien Lazarus, all of those guys. They have these like this yeah. crew, if you know what I mean. There's lots of crews that do amazingly well, um, but at the end of the day there's one person or two people behind those crews that are, that are kind of leading the ship. And I think, I think it's important. The scene mm-hmm. needs it. Um, and also you create amazing parties, which is, which is what it's about, right? <laughs> In the end. Yes. Good times. Good times, man. Definitely. So how's, uh, how is New York like crazy as quiet as everyone says it is? Bro, you know, it's so crazy because first off, it drives me insane because you know how New York got so heavily infected yeah. and it was like the epicenter. Even then, it was, listen, it was very bad. Lots of people yeah. were dying. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't like if I stepped out my front door, I was in fucking Armageddon. You know, it was like it was still controllable. But um, we were very unlucky because, listen, we had China. We had all of Europe coming to new york yeah. and when we found out that that europe got heavily effect- infected you know in march or whatever it was like oh oh no the u.s needs to lock its borders it needs to work yeah. hard to it was already too late for new yeah, york yeah. new york has jfk and LaGuardia. Yeah. so i mean like to me 
to me, I, I always separate New York away from the United States because to me, it's, it's such a different place. And it's, it's like whatever something happens in Europe, it automatically like this infection, it just automatically hit us. Like yeah. it, it hit us before we even knew. So, I mean, right now New York is doing really well. I think the most important thing that we pulled away from all of this was and I always get into arguments with people, but I, I don't know. It's like the whole mask thing. I think it's pretty important because once we started wearing the mask and following the, those rules, yeah. if you look at the charts and everything with New York, we shot down. Yeah. And now we're doing so good, man, that we can resume life. But no matter where we are indoors, if it's any type of public place other than outdoors, like walking in a park or yeah. something and you're keeping your distance, you have to wear a mask. Yeah, yeah. You know, you have to. And I think I think a lot of places in the world didn't realize how important masks are. And um, for me, I think once we started that whole mask rule and, and after we got heavily infected, we learned our lesson and we're like, okay, we need to really crack down. And because we did that, we're like, we have so, so low of an infection rate. So hopefully some people can learn from, from New York because right now we're, we're doing great, man. I mean, I'm talking about throwing a, an event, a social distance event really? in like a warehouse possibly. That's cool, yeah. man. That's really Not, cool. Yeah, I don't want to do anything too crazy. You know, maybe I was even thinking like first we were thinking about having chairs and sitting down. So like it's almost like an event, but maybe like... Um, like a theater show. Have like a, yeah, exactly. Make it more of a show and maybe have like some cameras with some screen set up so people could watch what I'm doing mixing. Yeah. Maybe incorporate a live fixture into it. Yeah. Just because people want to see the music. They want to hear the music. Totally, and yeah. I think it would be really interesting, you know? So so it, it wouldn't be a proper rave at all, but it would still be connected to the music in some form. I think so. that's I think that's the interesting time about now <laughs> is that people have to adapt and like you said, like there's so many different types of kind of little live shows popping up that we would never have even thought of beforehand. Like we would just think of, let's just fucking go to another club and let's put our USB sticks in and play our, play our records, if you know what I mean. And I think that's a good thing about yeah. times like this yeah. is that I think a lot of amazing shit's going to happen out of this. What's your thoughts on the whole live stream thing? Um, well... So like I did a live stream for the album and yeah. we rented like a big warehouse and it was to help do the album. It felt really nice to do, yeah. but <sighs> there's so many live streams. It's, it's hard to, like we say, people find something that works yeah. and then everybody does it. Yeah. So it's like, uh, I don't know. I did one live stream. Maybe I'll do another one down the road, but I would try to make it as cool as possible. We had proper video editors, all this stuff. I mean, listen, if you want to get your fix and play in your bedroom and, and have a good time and share with people, go for it. I mean, what do you got to lose? So yeah. I, who am I to judge to say if you should do a live stream or, or not? You know, it's during these times, I think it's uh, open court for anybody. No, man. Yeah, I think I think. Yeah, I guess the the thing for me more so is like what how you feel about it. I think I don't think. It's about you telling people what they should and shouldn't be doing. Because huh? I, I don't think yeah. anyone... I, like, it, for me, live streams, <clears throat> I've not done one and I, I won't do one. Um, but I know so many... Like, I had Mikey Lyon on the podcast. Do you know Mikey Lyon from Desert Hearts? Runs Desert Hearts? Yeah, I know of him. 
um, I had him on the podcast last week um, and they've done this insane thing where they literally live stream all week um, on Twitch and they've generated like obviously they literally generate income now for like enough income to pay for their staff from the record label and from like the event side of things where they can earn enough money to pay everyone, which is like right. amazing, right? Like you've kind of gone from live shows that was paying for everyone to no live shows to then live streaming and creating this online community. And now everyone's earning money again, which is amazing. Um, I mean, I didn't, I didn't make a penny from my live streaming. It cost, it costed cost me money. Fortune, but yeah. It, yeah. But you know what? I, I will say this. It feels very weird to do a live stream instead of people around me. I had like seven cameras around me. Yeah, I felt very, um, you know, it's really hard to perform in front of cameras like that than it is to like when I did Awakening as Gas Scooter, we had a couple cameras, but it was tons of people. I was looking at the party. I wasn't yeah. looking at the camera guy, so I didn't really care. This time it's an empty room. All eyes are on you. You feel like yeah. you're being watched in a creepy way. <laughs> and it's just, it's just really strange. I had uh, I had my friend I had a couple friends come that way I kind of I don't know if you see like sometimes in the stream I'm like looking up and then I smile because like okay. I'm like okay I'm connecting with my friends to the music you know but a lot of times I'm just looking down at the mixer because I'm so used to like looking up at the crowd and yeah. everything yeah, I couldn't yeah. I felt like I wasn't smiling as much I wasn't acting as crazy but at the same time I knew we were promoting the album we were giving people a show. After the live stream ended, um, we had so many people saying thank you. Yeah, they appreciated it. They loved it. So I mean, that was really the reward. I did. I did it for the people. I mean, it costed me money, but we pushed the album a little bit, and uh, yeah, the people loved it. So I guess that was the the takeaway for it. But for me personally, how did I feel it? It wasn't. It was weird. Yeah, man, I, I get that. I think that's the thing. A lot of people are actually really appreciating these live streams. And I think that's the beautiful thing about it is that a lot of people have kind of gotten through lockdown and out the other side purely because of so many DJs. Every DJ and their cat has been doing a live stream. And I think it's been great. Like yeah. You can see your favorite DJs play for free at any time of the day, which is great. Yeah. It was never the yeah. situation. It's it would have been nice if maybe like the first run of people who did live streams maybe would have, you know, charged, charged. something for it. Yeah. But like some people are like, oh, we'll just do it for free because we're, we're loaded or our family's going to pay for it or, yeah. or whatever it is, you know. And it, I don't know. It's it's crazy that DJs now have to pay to throw a live stream for people to watch for when free. it kind of was the other way around. Yeah. And it's like we're, we're DJs. We're, we don't have jobs. You know, we're trying to uh, we're trying to make a living, and then on top of it, we're gonna do a live stream and, and push that and pay for that. Yeah. So I I think it's 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 a mad world we're in, but at the same time, when I did it and I did the stream and everyone watched it and enjoyed it, uh, it gave it made me feel good about myself and it yeah. made me feel proud. And I was I was I had a good week. You know, you know when you play a gig and it's a really good gig, you still have like that gig high for a few days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I felt I felt that, bro. I felt that. And I was like this is really cool. So I think also it inspired me to I think it's also it's exciting, isn't it? Because you're doing it for something. It's not like you just woke up one day and were like fuck it, let's just do a live stream in my pants like it's just that you you kind of planned it to like 
this is for the album. Let's let's do a live stream. Let's like promote the album. Let's like make something of it rather than just doing it. I think that's what makes it special as well. And obviously not playing for so not playing for six months and then actually being behind decks and playing your music and listening to it on speakers must be an amazing feeling because I don't know what it's like yeah. to turn on a pair of decks. <laughs> it was a little scary. Yeah. It was like a little you know when you first start DJing, like you play a big, big room and you're like, okay, I'm a little worried. It felt like that. Yeah. <coughs> I bet. It was cool. I bet. What's your thoughts on like how the industry's going um for the next year? I don't know, man. I try to look at the glass half full. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I'm Same. just like I just I pray every night hoping to God that will be in a room with people playing raving. Yeah. You know, I get these offers for like, I, I booked like EDC Portugal next summer. Yeah. I have a bunch of festivals that we've already confirmed for next summer, like big ones that I'm so stoked about, but I'm like, wait, don't even get happy about it because you don't know if it's going to happen or not. Yeah. I mean, like we COVID started in March, right now we are already past summer into fall and we're for most part we're still back at square one yeah and that was six seven months so so what what says we're not going to be back at that step again in another six or seven months and then festival season passed by so i don't know i think we need like some vaccine or we need as sad as it sounds maybe we all need to get get exposed to it so we build a group immunity but you can't think like that because if that happens, so many people, many people are going to get hurt and it's not really a viable option. So it's, it's all up in the air. It's, it's kind of, I don't even like talking about it anymore because it's just like a, a disgusting, like a evil game. There's like that evil app, yeah. you know, where it's like you can infect. Yeah, I don't know what yeah. it is. But I've been told about it. Yeah. It's, you it, can like infect. Years ago, it was like big. I used to have it and it was like, this is like when I was at school or like just leaving school, like you could download this app. I forgot what it was called. It was like contagious. I think it was called. And yeah, and right. you could like, had, you had to create a virus and literally the app is now what's happened. <laughs> yeah. Like it's like, where would you pick the the place that's most hev- heavily populated in the world? Let's c- create it in, in China. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then let's have it spread there and then have it explode in New York yeah. and everywhere else. It's just like, it's so unreal that like yeah. I just I I tried to just look at the glass half full and just like okay things are gonna get better let's just keep moving forward and pretend like it's not happening and and make more music and stuff like that but that that's just me because if I sit and think about it every day I'll end up in a dark place and sitting on a couch for a week doing absolutely doing nothing. nothing and then that makes so. you feel worse and then it just is an evil circle. Yeah, exactly, bro. So, I mean, it's good to have something to look forward to and, and to plan. Lately, I've been getting into, um, I just, like, I have a two-bedroom apartment here and, uh, or two-bedroom flat. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I got a, a second bedroom where I'm turning into a studio. So, I just bought, nice. like, a rug. I just bought um, some hardware. I had an old Voyager synth over here. And I just bought... Um, uh it's called the matrix brute by Art- uh, arturia it's, it's called the thing they're, they're, they're huge yeah it's one. like yeah i don't see maybe we can actually uh 
Is there a way to flip this? I think so. I think if you yeah. press on it. Yeah, I'll show you. Yeah, that one. So, yeah, so I just got it. Um, I just got it today, actually. And I was, like, setting it up. Is it uh, good? Before. Uh, I haven't even gotten to use it yet. Oh, but really? This thing is insane. This is the Matrix. So it's, like, a sequencer. Yeah. And it's just, like, it's crazy, bro. It's, like, I never really made uh, analog stuff too much. So that's, like, what's keeping me busy. I'm going to... Like we said, we spoke of Maceo Plex. I love his sound. I love the fact that he, he his stuff sounds so good because so good. it's all analog. You know, I've spoke I spoke his name's Eric. I've spoken to Eric so many times, and you know, he always says, you know, it just feels better to do it. And I, I was always the person who did stuff on the laptop. So yeah. now I got plenty of time. I'm I'm gonna give it a go. I'm gonna have fun. You know, I have a, I have a Voyager, Moog Voyager, Moog Voyager, and. Uh, yeah, I'm going to try and stay inspired in the studio. And I think maybe there's so many artists like me that are trying to do this, you know, re- not reinvent themselves, but just go a different route. We have nothing but time. We're not touring to totally. actually sit down and make music. So yeah, I'm going to experiment. I think that's what it's about. I was in the studio the other day with some mates and do you know, have you heard of Alex Tepper? Yes. Yeah. So I was, um, he was in, in the session as well. We were doing some writing and uh he brought in this like big modular unit that he's got a euro rack and he's like pretty much persuaded me to like go into the like the the realms of modular and when i get one like a a proper euro rack i I think it's going to be a long time of not making any music and just making lots of bleeps and blops but just trying to enjoy it really like I, i i do quite a lot of hardware stuff here anyway um but i think it's like you said it's just changing the process up and just learning learning new things mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's really it's really cool i'm I'm looking forward to it i never really used hardware because i was always like the sitting on my laptop and people don't believe me i've i mix and master everything on a laptop yeah you know and uh i'm stoked bro i can't wait actually when we get off this chat i'm gonna get back in dive it. into it sweet dude yeah, i'm diving in sweet right yeah. well we've nearly done an hour so let's wrap it up let's wrap this baby mm-hmm. up so you can go and play with the new yeah. synth the new synth is way more important than talking to me man <laughs> um, no, it's good it's good to catch up bro i mean we were supposed to play together in in new york weren't we we did wh- something this past summer were we then we, we were gonna play uh we were gonna play elro oh we were, were we Elro together yeah, I think so. I can't, mate. You know how it is. Yeah, like, I think... I, that's the thing. Do you think? Do you think just all the shows are just gonna re re be done? Like, like everything just gets booked the same? Because I know a lot of festivals are just <clears throat> rebooking for the same lineups for the year after. I hope so. I mean, <laughs> bro, to, to I've never been to an Elro party, but like, so for example, that party I knew. I don't know if we were going to play together. I think maybe, or you were on the lineup for sure. Yeah, I think we, but, yeah, um, I remember, yeah. But, but it was going to be like something like El Row and to see El Row in New York at Avant Gardner. I played the last one. Outdoors. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm like, a, I've played there like three, four times a year or used to play it three, four times a yeah. year and that place is like bananas, bro. So, I mean, that would have been insane. 
But yeah. but yeah, I mean, it's it's great to catch up. I'm just thinking off the top of my head, we're like we haven't talked in a while. Nah, man, it's but great. I, I was just thinking we were supposed to do that. You know, it would have been, been like fun. it would have been. It was I think it was in July that we were supposed to be doing it as well. But hopefully yeah, next year, man. Fingers crossed. Keep those fingers crossed. Um. So anybody that doesn't follow you, how do they follow you on socials, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera? Yeah, I would just follow me at Leighton Jordani at um Instagram. I'm, I'm I use that. I mean, I use Facebook too. But um, if you want to see stuff from me and not like management posts and stuff like that, just jump on Instagram because I I use that as much as I can and I try to stay connected. So cool, yeah. man. And your new album is yeah. out on Beatport, Spotify, Apple Music, all the kind of. Have you done vinyl? Yes, I'll show you the vinyl. The vinyl is insane, actually. Where can people buy the vinyl? I got from? the vinyl. Um, they can get the vinyl from every vinyl shop. Dex Dex.de. It's really cool vinyl. Dope. Yeah, that's Orange. cool, man. I love the artwork. It's nice. Yeah, yeah cool, man. We we worked hard for it. I, I pushed the artist, but um, yeah, it's <laughs> it great. great. Where? What is it of? Is that of New York? Is that like a, a, a yeah like building scape in New York? That's. Yeah, that's um, it's called the flat iron. Flat iron. So yeah, I thought it's, it was for me. Yeah, so it's like if you look at it from the front, it's like kind of a triangle shape. But if you look at it from the side or the a different view or perspective, it's a whole different shape of a building. Yeah. So it's kind of like it was built very uh, in like early 1900s, I believe. And um, yeah, it's like such a blows your mind when you look at it from two different angles. It's like a piece of art, you know, and it's a building. So I thought. I've always was connected to it and I wanted a piece of home in it because I'm from here. So I thought, why not use that? And uh, yeah, the artist knocked it out of the park and stoked. Smashed it, man. Well, congrats on the album. Uh, let's yeah. keep in touch. I'll see you when I see you, hopefully soon. Um, and yeah, big love for being on the podcast. Yeah, no problem, bro. Thank you for having me and uh, yeah, talk to you soon. Big love, man. And that is a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this one. It was a good chat. Really good to catch up with him. It's been a while. Uh, so, yeah, really enjoyed it. Go check his new album out. It's really good. New Generation out on Spotify and Apple Music and Beatport. And you can buy the vinyl as well. Right. Keep safe. And I'll see you soon. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.